We don't think a whole lot about the surfaces we play on until our livelihood depends upon it. We're talking grass, turf, or artificial surfaces. A hot topic today in professional sports on what's safe, artificial turf or grass. Does it really matter? And yet it's an art and a science in providing a safe surface to play sports on. Welcome to the Youth Sports Safety Update podcast produced by the Jacksonville Sports Medicine Program in Jacksonville, Florida. The Jacksonville Sports Medicine Program, or JSMP, is dedicated to youth sports safety through awareness, advocacy, and injury prevention. JSMP is also the managing partner of the Florida Alliance of Sports Medicine, or FASMED, which is a statewide coalition of sports medicine physicians who are engaged in promoting the highest level of high school sports safety through education, awareness, and access to medical resources to keep kids safe. I'm your host today, Jim Mackey, a certified athletic trainer with over 50 years of experience in a variety of sport healthcare settings. Joining us today on the Youth Sports Safety Update is an expert in the art of growing and caring for grass surfaces. Don't we wish that we had that in our own home yard, too? He's the athletic field superintendent at the University of North Florida and also assists at Everbank Field, home of the NFL Jacksonville Jaguars. He has a certificate in turf grass management from the University of Georgia and is currently completing his bachelor's in sports turf grass management. Please welcome Corey Levin. Welcome, Corey. Thanks, Jim. I appreciate right. having me on today. Certainly, certainly. Pleasure. So today we're talking about grass, the kind we run, cut, and jump on all the time. So what's so special about grass? Grass is unique. I mean, you can find it all over the place, especially in Florida. Um, you're going to see it growing, um, you know, in your front yard, on your kids' sports fields, um, parking medians. But what makes an athletic field special is how we maintain it uh, and what it's used for. Um, we here at the University of North Florida, myself and my crew, uh, we are the first line of defense for our players' uh, health and safety, uh, whether it be baseball, softball, soccer, track and field, uh, you name it. Um, that surface is what they play on, and that's a natural grass field for all of our student-athletes. So um, we make sure that we maintain it at the highest level possible to make sure our student-athletes, um, first and foremost, are safe, and then we make sure that it's you know aesthetically pleasing for those watching on TV or in the stands. All right. So we're talking about grass and we're also talking about turf, or we'll use the term artificial turf too. Something that's man-made. You know, I began a career in the era of, era of AstroTurf, which was literally a green carpet laid out on a one-inch thick composite foam on top of a concrete or asphalt base. Needless to say, it was very hard, hot, and unforgiving surface. I once had a running back break both wrists to the Orange Bowl artificial surface. It was like a carpeted parking lot. So what does artificial turf look like these days? We're seeing a lot of uh, generational changes in that. What's it consist of? And we'll talk about artificial turf for just a minute. Yeah, so there's been a lot of you know advancement over the years in artificial turf. Um, it's used all over the world, um, from the Olympics to the NFL to your kids' high school sports fields and parks and rec fields. Um, there's many different types, um, shapes and sizes of it. Um, it comes in, as we've all seen, many different colors as well. Um, you know, if we talk about Boise State with their uh, blue turf, um, there's been a lot of advancement in player safety when it comes to synthetic turf surfaces as well. Um, when it comes to firmness um, 
and, and things of that nature, um, as well as technology for us sports field managers to be able to test those surfaces out as well um, for uh, infill depth, which infill is the material that's uh, laid between the fibers um, that acts as a cushion um, and uh, basically a, a, a soil, you know, synthetic soil. Um, so, and there's many different types of those infills as well, from rubber car tires to coconut husk, uh, you know, uh, infill material as well. Um, but the biggest thing uh, with synthetic turf is that it's still synthetic um, and it's still made to, to last um, for many years. Um, and the difference when you play on it is that it does not give like a natural grass field would when a player goes to make, um, you know, an attempt to make a cut or, a, you know, any type of athletic movement towards that surface. Um, it is made to stay in place and not give. So that force does travel back through that athlete. Um, and that's still the biggest struggle, I think, in my professional opinion, when it comes to synthetic turf. Um, and there are places where it does serve a purpose, but um, I don't think that as of right now, it's still um, as for as giving as a natural grass field would be. Okay, so let's talk about grass. We don't find any football fields made out of St. Augustine grass, hopefully, but there's all species, um, Bahia and Bermuda and, and that. So describe the elaborate and elaborate on perhaps how how safe is some grass over others? What are you finding in terms of what what is your preference for field surfaces? So in Florida, we're uh, blessed with some pretty warm weather year-round. We do get cold a little bit. So the majority of your athletic fields in Florida will be pretty much a Bermuda-based uh, surface. Um, when we get into the you know the cooler uh, weather, especially here in Jacksonville, we do overseed with perennial ryegrass uh, that'll last us through uh, April or May, and then we transition back to fully Bermuda grass through the summer. Um, when you get in the northern climates, you see a lot of Kentucky bluegrass, um, but you are starting to see that Bermuda gr uh, grass um, with science being able to be genetically modified to uh, withstand some of that cooler weather. So you're seeing Bermuda going more up into that transition zone uh, of our climate in this country. Um, biggest two are Kentucky bluegrass uh, and Bermuda grass here in, in Florida with Bermuda grass. It's a, it's a really strong um, uh, cultivar we use here is 419 and it's made to be, uh, you know, able to recover fast and withstand a heavy wear and tear load. Um, and it's usually what you'll find on Parks and Rec in high school and we have our collegiate fields here made of it. Um, but it's made to uh, just last, you know, a decent college season, high school season uh, and recover and, you know, last that whole season for us. Very interesting. You used to look at a lot of older fields uh, up north, uh, just the wear and tear. And um, even in the south, we found some terrible fields in that. But uh, you guys are making great progress in that. So really, what effect does the climate have upon the growth and sustainability of grass around the country? Because as you said, we may have Bermudas down south. We may have um, bluegrass and mid-range and that. And then uh, just how does the climate affect that? Yeah, so I mean, the time of year um, and seasons really do affect uh, how the surface is going to play. Um, here in Jacksonville, we're getting towards the end of October, still in the 80s uh, during the day. We are starting to drop into the 60s at night when you start seeing that, you know, you know, plus 20 degrees, the temperature difference between the day and nighttime here for us, you start to see your grass slow down. Um, for us, uh, we don't have football here at our college, but, you know, football seasons are, you know, getting close to that end of the season point. Uh, a lot of wear and tear on those fields, especially in the high school, you know, parks and rec level. Um, so their ability to recover becomes slower. 
um, where coaches and you know staff need to be mindful of how much use those surfaces are getting. The more use, the more wear, the more dangerous, you know, and unsafe they do become. Um, and high schools and, you know, younger, you know, little league fields don't have the resources we may have at a Division One college or NFL stadium. Um, so that's where, you know, it's, it, it's being conscientious of how much you're using your surface um, and making sure that, you know, it's obviously safe for those uh, athletes to be on. Um, but as we do start to transition into cooler weather here, you know, like I said uh, previously, we do overseed with perennial ryegrass. Uh, it's a winter, you know, basically a winter rye. And uh, we'll, we'll overseed here about Thanksgiving. And that'll take us through, you know, end of May. Um, just really for color, um, Bermuda grass does start to go dormant as we start seeing those cooler temperatures where it does kind of turn into that nice shiny brown. It's, you know, people think it's dying, just going to sleep for the winter. Uh, we overseed with the with the perennial rye for color and some you know stability through the field. Um, our fields, as well as many others, get used year round, um, and it's really to protect those you know student athletes for us, and then making sure that it's aesthetically looking good for those fans as well. Okay, all right. Got a little tough question here, and and stay within what you're comfortable with. But uh, the National Football League and turf manufacturers have one set of studies about injuries and turf um, playing on grass, playing on turf that uh, seems to differ from that of the Players Association. Is there a and there's debate that the players want to play on grass exclusively? Is that really feasible? And what are your what some thoughts you have about that? Without uh, Giving away too much information. Yeah, in my own personal opinion, I think that the without a doubt the players do prefer playing on a natural grass field. There's something just special about that. You know, you're not playing on what you you know had called a carpet you know uh, surface before. Um, even with the advancements they've made, it's I don't think that you're putting um, your players in the safest position possible with the resources, especially uh, uh, you know some of the bigger leagues have available. Um, the the art of growing grass in a dome stadium i think will always be a challenge uh for those teams that have uh, enclosed roofs uh, as you all know growing grass with no sun is, is not possible um, but there is technology out there um, there's stadiums across the world um, if you look at uh, tottenham hotspur stadium they can literally pull their field into a parking lot uh, and grow it with artificial lighting irrigation and robotic mowing technology uh, to be able to maintain that field for, you know, 14 days without sunlight. Um, so there is technology out there. And I think some of the leagues that do want to put that investment into their players' safety are looking at making those changes. I think ultimately that will come when we do host the FIFA World Cup in 2026 at stadiums that do have enclosed roofs. Uh, the requirement from FIFA is that they do have natural grass playing surfaces in those stadiums for the uh, duration of that event. Um, and I think with learning that technology, learning those venues, um, it's really going to show the those bigger uh, football leagues that it, it is possible and uh, it, it won't cost as much as they may think it does. All right. Well, what uh, we'll go back to Tottenham in just a couple minutes here. But uh, how do you believe footwear affects the performance on the different surfaces? Uh, are you seeing a decrease or increase in injuries? And do you know of any studies maybe and we can look these up or put them on our show notes but any studies you've read or heard of about uh, footwear and effect on performance definitely i think uh the advancements in footwear has come a long way as well um there's some really educated equipment managers that that ask us questions about you know if they're traveling to a synthetic turf field 
um, at this stadium, uh, you know, what, what does it look like? What, you know, what do we recommend? Um, we're not the experts in the equipment, but we can tell them how that field could possibly be playing. Um, when the NFL travels to Europe um, and London, those stadiums are soccer pitches. They're built differently. They're hybrid systems with 100% ryegrass with synthetic fibers. They're cut a little bit longer, so, you know, they may want longer spikes. Um, different things like that. Um, footwear definitely does play a, a huge role in that, making sure the athletes are properly equipped. And I think that relationship between equipment managers and, and field managers is becoming a closer bond um, just so we have the athletes' uh, health and safety uh, in mind the entire time. It's amazing what collaboration can do. And we're speaking today on the Youth Sports Safety Update with Corey Levin, He's the athletic field superintendent at the University of North Florida here in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, he's managed a, a number of events, a uh, number of fields, uh, keeps everything in order, uh, soccer, softball, uh, lacrosse, everything that goes on at UNF, as well as uh, helps out at Everbank Stadium where the Jacksonville Jaguars play. So welcome back, Corey. And uh, we got to visit Tottenham Stadium in London where the NFL plays and um I think you described what that's like as a very unique setting to be able to visit that where the they played on one surface, but the soccer pitch was actually rolled back on these major rollers back into a room with artificial lighting, watering. Uh, we got to see the the automated lawnmowers uh, mowing the pitch, as they call it. And that um, and you, you say you see that coming to a stadium near you, uh, especially these new roof stadiums, maybe even here in Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, you look at stadiums that have already been built, uh, Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. Um, they, I think they did that with 100% having that multi-use, um, uh, you know, facility uh, as the end goal in mind. Um, you know, they have UNLV with a synthetic turf field underneath their natural grass system that's on a tray, similar to what we saw in, um, in London at Tottenham. Um, but their field with the Las Vegas Sun does pull right out into a game day parking lot. Um, so they can grow it outside, paint it, prep it, you know, uh, outside and have sunlight hit it year round. Um, and then when it's ultimately game game week, pull it in on Saturday, have a you know prep for Sunday, play a game and roll it right back outside. Um, that same time, you're saving money on field replacement costs. When you have a concert come in, you roll that tray out. Uh, Beyonce or Taylor Swift may come in, uh, use that facility um, for that concert, roll the field back in for another NFL game. Uh, where a new field could cost upwards to two hundred to four hundred thousand dollars, your field's sitting safely outside, and you can roll it back in. Um, same mindset. They have UNLV football that plays in that stadium. There's a synthetic turf field for the college um, that they preferred underneath. They have their field outside. They can play UNLV football on Saturday and have the the Raiders field ready for Sunday. So I think it is coming. Um, there's stadiums, like I said, that are in a in a situation where they're already built and already have synthetic turf fields in. But I think as we progress um, down this this natural grass route, um, which I personally think we are headed, uh, that, that definitely will be a bigger possibility. Okay. So, yeah, it's quite an expense to replace the field. And um, if you can share this, about how many times a year would you say the field is replaced here in Jacksonville? It, it really depends on the year um, and what event loads you have. I mean, if you have a college game going in an NFL game, what our weather season looks like, um, we we make 
and, and our the field managers at that stadium make the most educated decisions based upon the current condition of the field. They always have fields ready to go if they feel it's not going to be ready in time for an NFL game. Um, but ultimately putting the, the player safety first and foremost, um, they do a great job at that. And, um, you know, it really just depends on the year. Um, sometimes it's one to two, sometimes it's three to four. They have um, many events besides just um, Jaguar games. Uh, we have Bethune Cookman. We have, you know, once a year, Florida, Georgia, Tax Layer Bowl uh, practices. So really it just depends, I think, on the year. All right, Corey, we're all about safety here at the U-Sports Safety Update. So any thoughts um, to share uh, about grass turf? What eyes you or as a parent should be looking for in our uh, recreational parks just uh, to be safe? It's more than just throwing out the ball and running on it. What are you looking for? The biggest thing for a parent, um, I'm not one yet, but I've worked in parks and rec and, and youth sports and um, the biggest thing is just making sure the same emphasis is put on the fields and the surfaces as put is put on the playgrounds and scoreboards and lights and things like that. Ultimately, that that field is that first line of defense. And I've seen you know bad injuries happen on unsafe fields um, all across um, in my time in the industry. But um, that's really what pursued my passion to you know to start this is um, being a youth sports uh, sports director for youth sports league here we had our kids playing on some fields that were very uh, unsafe at the time and just learning how to do it at a young age and, you know, making sure that uh, that didn't ever happen again was huge. So um, just making sure that the same emphasis is put on those surfaces, I think is a huge point of emphasis for me. So uh, any other lessons learned along the way or messages you'd like to share as we close out uh, today's episode? Um, you know, obviously my, my, um, you know, my opinion is that natural grass will always be, um, superior to synthetic turf, but that's not always saying that there's, um, places for that, uh, synthetic turf fields. They, you know, they'll always be around. We're not getting rid of them. Um, but making sure that everybody's educated on the differences, um, the pluses and minuses before they go to, um, either install one of those fields, um, for their own leagues or, you know, their kids are going to play, um, at a place that does have them. So, um, just making sure that, you know, we're all educated on, you know, what it is. It, it has gotten a very bad name for itself. Um, just with people watching, you know, Sunday night football, um, synthetic turf has, you know, been the, really the point of, you know, emphasis this year, I think, especially. Um, but it does have its place uh, when it's maintained right. It's, it's not 100% dangerous to play on. But I think just educating everyone and making sure that we're all um, up to speed on where we're at with surfaces at this point. All right. Thank you very much, Corey. Thank you for joining us today. And we wish you all the very best in your work at the University of North Florida and Everbank Stadium and uh, pursuing your uh, college uh, degree there. So thank you for joining us. And we hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Youth Sports Safety Update. Our mission is dedicated to youth sports safety through awareness, advocacy, and injury prevention. Guests of the show are stakeholders of youth sports safety. Views and conclusions expressed in this program are those of the guests and not necessarily those of the employees, administration, or associated staff of JSMT and does not imply an endorsement of any product, service, or opinion discussed. All material presented in this program is provided for information only and should not be construed as professional advice. Any use of this podcast without the express written consent of the Jacksonville Sports Medicine Program or FASMED is strictly prohibited. For information and access to important resources on youth sports safety, visit our website at jaxsmp.com and our show notes as well. The Youth Sports Safety Update is a production of the Jacksonville Sports Medicine Program. Your host and producer today is Jim Mackey. Please join us again and stay safe. Thank you very much. 